all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard. It's what you make of it. But what if only struggle surrounds you? What can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair. Please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through. Just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see. You are not alone. You have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know. But if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. We are all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard, it's what you make of it, but what if only struggle surrounds you, what can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair, please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through, just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see, you are not alone, you have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know, but if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up, because you got this, if you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. Welcome to Authentic Points of View. I'm Danielle Boer, your host as always. Oh, woohoo. All right. So I am so excited. Okay. Ha. Huh. Today's guest. You've seen him before. Well, if you guys are young, you probably still have seen him, but my age has seen him before. I'm 40 and I'm excited. <laughs> so, all right. Woohoo. Jeremy Miller. Okay. He was Ben Sieber on huh? on uh, uh, Growing Pains, which I loved that show. And he's done so much more. But that's what he's basically, that's how I've seen him before. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining the show. I appreciate you. My pleasure, Danielle. Yay. All right. So I'm like so excited for so many reasons. I'm excited because you just seem so humble and honest and nice and kind. And I love amazing people. I'm also excited about the things that you're doing now. And my son is a chef. We'll talk about all these things, but I have a lot of things connected to what, yeah, to what you are doing and your passions are. So that's why I'm really excited. I always love to point out. So my show is called Authentic Points of View. And I love to point out things that I have in common with people and that we all have in common with each other, right? Because we're not, you know, so many people are quick to judge, but we're really not that much yeah. different. Like we all have something in common. Amen to that. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So thank you, Jeremy, again. Now, what age did you start acting? Oh, I was five years old when we, when we, when we started. Um, yeah, my, my mom, uh, I was taking singing lessons at a place called Mickey Rooney's Talent Town. 
And Mickey Rooney, I'm sure you know, was a was yeah. a big time old time actor. He's one of the original child stars, and he created these places for kids to be able to learn anything they wanted to learn in the entertainment industry. So you could oh. learn acting or singing, dancing, um, you know, pretty much every type of performance you could want. And I started studying singing there when I was really young. And the singing teacher just came to my mom one day and was like, have you ever thought about putting him in acting, you know, in commercials or anything? He has the personality for it. He doesn't shut up. You know, he he's <laughs> perfect. And my mom just kind of came to me and said, you know, what would you think about, you know, trying to be like one of those kids on TV? And I had already been wandering the house, reciting lines from Brady Bunch and, you know, <laughs> all those uh, happy days and whatever other shows I was watching back then. And, you know, 81. And um, it just that's how it started. And I mean, as a kid, it was like, you know, I didn't know anything from it. I didn't know any better. And it was just, oh, yeah, that sounds fun. And then sure enough, I kind of fell in love with it. You know, we found I had some ability and some talent with it. And I fell in love with doing it. I fell in love with the whole process. Oh, that's amazing. So that's really awesome that you loved it because a lot of kids, I think they, you know, grow up and then they say they really were kind of forced to do it. And that's oh, yeah, kind of yeah. miserable. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends that kind of went through that where they were more it was more obligation or they were more forced to. Um, I'll give you an example. My younger brother uh, started auditioning not soon after I did. We spent all of our days in the car driving to auditions, both of us. And by the time he was 10 or 11 years old, and he had worked, I mean, he had lots of guest spots. He had done a couple of movies. He had, he had really been working well. Um, he just didn't love it. He finally came to my mom at about 10 or 11 years old and said, mom, I just don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a kid. I want to play ball. I want to be able to hang out with my friends. And my mom's like, okay, no problem. It was always our choice. And that was, I, I thank my mom very much for that because there are a lot of parents that kind of push their kids into this. And, you know, it, they're the reason the kid is pursuing this rather than the kid really enjoying it. Oh, I, I feel like with anything, you should never get pushed because you... You can't put your all into it when you're not passionate about it and when you don't love it. And that's that's with anything. Like I am, so I'm a nurse actually. And um, I have a lot of friends that are Filipino that are nurses. And so I love this mm -hmm. comedian, Joe Coy. And he jokes about oh, all the time. I love him. And he talks about how like, you know, his mom was like, your cousins are nurses and this <laughs> Like okay. you have to. I'll tell you right now, my fiance is half Filipino. Yeah. And her her mom is full full blood Filipino, and that side of the family is completely you know full blood Filipino. So, yes, most of them are nurses. I mean, <laughs> a, a large large percentage of them. And yes, my fiance was pushed towards being a nurse, you know, for many years in her life. Um, and it's just part of the culture. It's a, you know, I mean, it's a wonderful profession. It's a way to help people. Yeah. It's a solid, steady career. It's so it's a great, you know, great idea, but it is something in that culture. And um, yeah, my fiance dealt with that as well. And no, it's never, you know, I mean, having a little push when you're not motivated or whatever yeah. can be a good thing, but, you know, too much in the wrong direction or direction you're not interested in going yeah. is detrimental. Absolutely. I think uh, mentally it is. And then so being a child, 
and being responsible for everything and having that weight on your shoulders, it's got to be hard. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of the child actors, when they grow up and they talk about how they did drugs and like one of my favorite, um, I mean, I've never met her. I was going to say one of my favorite people ever, but yeah, maybe she is one of my favorite people ever is Drew Barrymore. And she really speaks her truth. And she helps so many people by just talking about the things that she went through. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my oh, heart. Yeah. I I knew Drew back then. Um, <gasps> I mean, given we, given we were young, but we I, I dated Drew during those days. What? I was kind of her safe friend. Oh. It was it was during her partying days. I didn't know about it. Not wow. a lot of us did. And I was the one that she taught. I mean, she'd disappear for weeks at a time. I mean, not disappear, mm. like, yeah. but I wouldn't hear from her for long periods of time, which is when I'm sure she was doing coke and doing whatever she was doing. And But when she was sober, when she was normal, I was her safe friend who was her age that she could call, that we talked on the phone and we were kind of boyfriend, girlfriend for a little while. Um, you know, I mean, you're, we were like 12 and 13 or 11 yeah. and 12 or something <laughs> like that. So, I mean, we weren't dating. It's not like we went anywhere. Right. Um, but we met on uh, at the premiere of Kirk's movie, like Father Like Son. Okay. That he awesome. did with Dudley Moore. And yeah, so Drew is an incredibly sweet, incredibly wonderful per person and broke my heart hearing everything she was going through because I knew nothing about it. You know, I, I honestly believe that I was I was the one normal kid friend that she had that she could talk to. That's how I felt about it. I mean, I certainly haven't discussed this with her. I don't know if that's how she felt, but I believe that's what it was because at the time she was still in the depths of everything she was doing. Wow. Goodness. So let's see. She's, is she equally, like, is she the same age as you or just a little bit older? I, I believe she's a year, year and a half older. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's tough. That's so young. And she was literally an adult. I mean, and mm -hmm. like partying like an adult and everything and oh, how, yeah. like, it seems like she's so level-headed now. And like, she, the things that she made it through is so amazing and so impressive and like that's why I mean I've always loved her even before I knew even when I was young and I watched you know I'm 40 mm -hmm. so I was um even E.T. when she was on E.T. and all that stuff and like yep. you know she was a little bit older than me but I've always loved her energy and how she was just like could light up a room I mean again it's through a screen but it's just you just get so like drawn to her and and to know that she, you know, had been going through that and even like watching her little interview on David uh, Letterman and all that stuff. And she was just like a little grown up. Like, I mean, that may be like seven years, you know, and so it's. Um, well, I, I'll tell ahead. you, you're 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 really forced to grow up quickly. Oh. You're you, you are in a business of adults and you are expected to carry yourself like an adult. You're supposed to be a professional. You are supposed to, you know, behave and act responsible on set and take care of business. On top of that, it comes with a lot of pressures, as you said before. Yeah. You know, you're you're basically the breadwinner for your family most of the time if you've become a successful child star and there's all that pressure. I, I was very lucky that my mom and my family never 
cared about the paycheck more than me. Awesome. You know, and that and that's something you unfortunately don't see all the time. You know, I've we used to see a lot of child stars who were running the show, telling their parents to f off, and you know, I'm going to do this and da da. Well, and the, the parents wouldn't say anything because they were afraid of losing the paycheck. Whoa! Now, my mother was not afraid of losing the paycheck. If I'd have done any of that stuff, I'd have been picking my face up off the floor. You know, it would it would never have flown. Um, so yeah, it's just I've always I've always said that you know it's it's all due to my mother, my grandmother, and my family that was around me that you know kind of helped keep me going through a lot of that stuff and helped keep me sane during the craziness. Um, yeah. Now I have my own, you know, as you know, I'm sure I have my own addiction issues later on and stuff like that. But weird enough, it wasn't really it wasn't an industry thing. You know, I I stayed away from all of that while I was in the industry. It wasn't until much later when I started dealing with personal trauma, you know, at home and stuff like that, that I actually started trying to run away and, you know, drinking heavily and abusing alcohol and stuff. So, I mean, I, I understand how you can get there, believe me. But, I mean, we were at all those same parties. My mom and I'd walk into a party and, you know, where I'm supposed to be making an appearance and you walk in and it looks like, you know, big, crazy happening or whatever. And, oh, yeah. In the corner, there's a pile of coke, and people are around the table doing blow. Yeah, you know, my mother would walk me over to where the cameras were, get my pictures taken, so everybody knows I was there. I made my appearance like I'm, and then she'd walk me right back out the door. We're not hanging out for that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was, right. I was very protected. I wasn't sheltered, but I was very protected from some of the more negative, you know, aspects of the business. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that she did that for you, and. Listen, there's so many people in the world, no matter what their profession was, or even if they don't have a profession, that, uh, you know, have gotten um, addicted to alcohol and, and drugs and everything. And it happens. Okay. And so that's a lot of times, like, when we don't know how to deal with something, like my thing is food. Okay. I literally... Yep. If I've had a bad day, and again, I'm a nurse, okay? It can get stressful. Uh, I could be eating healthy. I even was not eating meat for a while. But if I had a bad day, I'm like, I got to eat something bad. Like, what? Like, why? <laughs> but so I understand, <laughs> you know? And I have chronic pain. So I've said, literally, I have said so many times, I can see why my patients get addicted to these pills. Because you're, the pain is so unbearable sometimes. Especially the patients <laughs> with you know, cancer or whatever. And the pain is so bad. Oh, yeah. I don't take the medicine because I don't like how I feel. Um, I feel very groggy and just like sick. It makes me sick. So I don't take it, but I don't judge anyone that, that like, you know, that they become addicted to something because it could have been me, you know, I mean, you, you never know mm -hmm. anything can happen. And then, Oh, yeah. One of, one of my best friends um, early on in life was diagnosed with a brain tumor at the age of 15 years old. Oh, I'm so sorry. And it caused her intense pain down the right side of her body for the rest of her life. And she got horribly addicted to opiates um, because she was in intense chronic pain mm -hmm. every single day. Um, my grandmother flipped her car five times, oh. fractured her back, fractured her sternum, had multiple issues and this is all after having uh, shattered her hip a year or two earlier 
my gosh. And she was in intense, incredible pain. And this was during the pill mill years. So mm-hmm. they had her on almost nine, I think it was nine or 12, 750 Norcos a day. What? She oh, was taking between nine and 12, 750 Norcos a day. She was completely addicted. Um, wow. Because how can you not be when they're giving you that much? Right. And again, she was in intense pain. She needed it. She wasn't taking this for fun. But when the, you know, the government stepped in and started shutting the pill mills down and started trying to regulate this more, they cut her back to 30 pills a month. Wow. And she went in, she went through withdrawals. You know, and it was really, really brutal on her. And this is just me on my soapbox for a second. I don't know how you feel about it. It's just what I saw help her. That's but okay. I actually, through some friends that I knew who were still partiers and whatever, I got her started on medical marijuana to help with yeah. the pain so that she could deal. And it actually helped her incredibly. And she was able to cut back on the pills entirely by the time um, she had passed away years and years later. Good. You know, here's the thing. I'm a nurse, but I'm a person. So if somebody says to me, um, I'm not going to out one of my children, but um, I kind of almost just said it. He has really bad stomach ulcers and he cannot eat. So he told me, he's like, I started smoking and I can eat. Like, it's the only thing that helps him eat. Like he was getting so sick. Absolutely. Like he would get so sick from eating any kind of food and all I said to him, he, you know, he's a grown man. He's 21. He has his own house. I said, and he works two jobs. He's a chef. He's a cook. And I said, okay, as long as you're healthy and you're safe and you're literally, I'm glad you're eating because he was getting very sick from not eating. And he said, I just can't mm-hmm. eat because it's just eating me. Like it's just hurting him to eat. So yep. yeah, no, I don't judge again. I don't judge um, for that. I know so many, uh, like I said, patients that talk about how, it helps them. Um, I think maybe my cousin, my cousin um, just passed away a few months ago of cancer. She was 43. But That's I think right. at one point she started smoking medical marijuana mm-hmm. because it was so bad. It was like it went to her bones and it's just horrible. So, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I definitely I do not judge, you know. And like I said, there's some days where I have to work and I'm in so much pain I can barely walk. And I only take ibuprofen and I'm like. Or Tylenol. And it doesn't do diddly squat. But again, my mental state, I can't mess my mental state up enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's why I don't personally do it. But I said so many times that I understand why people take them. Because like you said, your poor friend, you can't feel anything. I mean, horrible pain on the right side. And and you can't, you know, your grandmother, like my, my grandma was taking morphine. And uh ms cotton or whatever it is and she lived to 95 years old and that's what helped her get up and move around when she was able to listen it you know i mean i'm not i'm not one to judge anyone i i love everybody and i i actually just um actually today it aired that i actually interviewed a guy that was addicted to crystal meth and now he's he's a sober coach and he helps Yes, it's amazing. And he's an artist. He's a um he's actually won Grammy before, I think. But he he has helped 
Um, he helps basically all kinds of different artists that are addicted and that have mm -hmm. mental health issues. He also has bipolar and it, it's such a beautiful thing. The thing is, none of us are perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. But if we take what we've learned and we can help other people, it's so amazing. Like that's what we're here to do. I feel like, you know, so. Absolutely. I mean, that's when, once I got sober, I actually, I mean, I still work in recovery, working with people who are struggling and stuff awesome. like that, but I actually worked directly in a recovery clinic for almost three years um, after getting sober, um, just to be able to give back to the program that had helped me get sober and to try and help others. And, you know, that's that turning your pain into something that can help someone else is incredibly empowering. Absolutely. I agree with you. And thank you for sharing that, by the way. I really appreciate you um, speaking about that. And because, uh, you know, in your situation, a lot of your information is out there, right? You can't, sometimes you can't hide it, but. Well, I'm an open book. I mean, I don't but, know yeah, I, everything me about me ever since, ever since I decided to get sober and to come public with my story. Um, my life is an open book. It really is. I, I come on an interview and they say, oh, well, what don't you want to talk about? Are there any guidelines? And I tell them you know, ask me anything. Because honestly, if I can share anything about anything that helps someone else, then I don't care if people are going to be judgmental about something I said, or, you know, I, I don't care. My goal is to try and help someone. Yes, Jeremy, I am with you 100%. I didn't talk about my brother. So my brother passed away. And I witnessed him commit suicide via telephone. Oh. I heard him do it. And so oh, it's okay. Thank you. So yeah, so I didn't talk about it for the longest time because it's been 12 years, but he has a daughter and she was three and a half when he passed. And uh, actually her mother overdosed. She lost both her parents by seven years old. It was horrible. And she's such a good girl and she's 16 now. And uh, I'm going to get emotional. Talk about her. She, I'm so proud of her. She's been through hell uh, at her young age. And, um, but so I, you know, I started talking about it because it's like I have this platform and it got to the point where so many people, you know, have suicidal thoughts and you never know. I mean, in your industry, my gosh, in the entertainment industry, look how many amazing people we've lost that you don't oh, even you know. I, I, I've lost at least, I mean, in the last 20 years, I can, I've lost at least 10 people to suicide or overdose you know, that I was, that I've known and was incredibly close to, and all of them were in the industry. Some were child stars, some were, I mean, I'll give you an example, not to bring up, but Jonathan Brandis, who was in Sidekicks and Ladybugs and, you know, um, what was the uh, Star Quest or uh, Sequest with Roy Scheider and all these different things. Jonathan was a good friend of mine. Jonathan and I auditioned for all the same parts. We Aww. got confused for each other because we looked very similar. <laughs> we were both the same age, young, short, blonde kids. We were, you know, him and I competed for parts all the time and we were friends. And I didn't know he was struggling. I mean, I had just spoken to him maybe a month beforehand wow. and you know, nobody knew. I had no idea he was, he was in the depths of it at that point. And that's unfortunately the case most of the time, you know, people who are, I mean, there are signs, but if we're not looking for them, you know, they're easily missed. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, so yeah. So me talking about it has, has helped people and people have really like, you know, really been 
thankful and and just to like hear i mean i almost quit college i wouldn't have been a nurse i almost dropped out of college and if it wasn't for my mm -hmm. kids like my kids kept me going so i'm very thankful i had kids very young i was 18 and 20 and so um when i th they were little and i was like i couldn't give up you know i had to keep going so I, I'm glad that I share that now and I'm actually starting a life coaching thing where I'm helping um, one of my gr groups is supposed to start soon, ha <laughs> but uh, it's called getting a grasp on your grief. So I really hope that that helps a lot of people and it, it could be, you could have lost somebody in any kind of way, or it could be loss of a mm -hmm. career or a marriage or whatever. And so, you know, it's important mm -hmm. to talk about those things. And like you said, if it helps somebody else, it's. I feel like it's the best way I can give back, you know, it's just, just like Absolutely. spread a message. Yeah. Of like love and kindness. It's going to be okay. Like, like you said, it makes you feel empowered and I'm just, you know, that's, I feel like, I hope that everybody, you know, when people get successful in any way, they sh should share like tips or like help, you know, like, Hey, if you want to, you know, become a real estate guru, or whatever, I don't know, do <laughs> this, you know, but, uh, <laughs> Some people don't, but it's nice well, when people do. It's nice when they do. And being able to give back in any sort of way like that, once you've achieved a certain amount of success is a really wonderful thing. Yeah. And I honestly think the world needs a little bit more of it, but. I agree. So, okay. Uh, we've talked and this has been amazing, but I can't skip over the fact that you were on, I love the show growing pain. So what age were you when you became Ben Sieber? Like, when did you start? And when, what age were you when the show ended? We started Growing Pains when I was eight years old. Oh. And we finished when I was 15. So, I mean, literally, at that point in time, I had spent half my life on television in front of the world. Um, so, I mean, it was an amazing, amazing experience. It really was. Um, you know, plenty of small negatives, not from my direct working on the set. I had what you would call probably the most ideal set filming situation of anybody I knew. I mean, we had such a close cast and family. We didn't have a lot of issues on set. There wasn't a lot of arguments. There wasn't a lot of tension. Good. It was one of the most fun, relaxed, loving sets. And to have a, a second family of 200 people basically looking out for you and caring about you every day was amazing. So... There were some, you know, plenty of small drawbacks. I mean, there's things you just don't learn being a child star, like life skills, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and things like that that aren't stressed in the business and you kind of got to figure out on your own later. But, you know, it, all of the small negatives are greatly outweighed by all the amazing positives that it, it made in my life. All the incredible things I got to do, all the people I got to help, all the lives I got to touch. Um you know, that's a blessing. Oh, that's amazing. So do you still keep in touch with anybody from the show? Oh, absolutely. Um, I still talk with uh, Tracy and Kirk and Joanna. Um, up until he passed away, I talked with Alan probably at least once a month. Um, you know, he, they are my second family. And more than anything, Alan was my other dad. I mean, he he really was that role in my life. I mean, calling to check in on me, seeing how I'm doing. I've told this before is <clears throat> up until recently, 
even when I would get a a um, a new project I'm doing or something I was excited about, I was still reaching for the phone to call him to tell him Aww. because that was just so normal. You know, he was one of the first people I would call. Hey, Alan, I got this great part I'm working on. You got any advice for, you know, this thing I'm doing or that thing? And for maybe two years after, three years after he passed away, I still was physically reaching for the phone to call him to tell him. Um, because that's how big a part of, of my life he was. So yeah, we we all have kept in touch over the years. Um, I still regularly talk to Kirk and Tracy. I unfortunately don't get to talk to Joanna very much because she's an incredibly busy director. She's one of the most successful directors in TV. Wow. And um, I she's always traveling to be filming, you know, whatever new show she's doing. So she's a lot harder to get it, you know, get a hold of, but we all still talk. We all still love each other very much. And um, I even still talk to some of our writers, uh, a couple of our producers, and I just ran into one of our original cameramen about a year ago and we've gotten wow. in touch again as well. So it, it was just one of those amazing, amazing times. And as I said, I was very blessed. I mean, I had friends who were on sets that were a little rough sometimes where people maybe didn't get along quite as well or, um, you know, they were being asked to do things they didn't feel comfortable doing or whatever it may be. Um, I just, I was very blessed to have amazing people around me that cared about me and, you know, looked out for me during that time. That is amazing because they say it takes a village, right? So that's, oh, absolutely. that's nice. And, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I really, you know, I, I, again, give all the credit to my mom in that she was there. She was involved. You know, you hear these horror stories about the abuse or other things like that that occur in the industry. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, it occurs because the parents went hands off or trusted the child to be around someone while they weren't around. And the fact is, that was not something my mom was going to do. She was on set almost every single day. Um, even when she wasn't, she had someone else there to keep an eye on me who was there in her stead. Um, there was just... I wasn't sent on publicity trips with a manager she didn't know. I wasn't sent to, I wasn't put in those situations. So, you know, again, and I don't, not criticizing anybody else's parents. A lot of parents don't realize this kind of stuff. They trust these people. They trust yeah. that they have their child's best interest at heart. And that's just not always the case. So I was very blessed to have a mom who was not overprotective, but was, was there and involved and very protective of me. Well, I'm so glad, yeah, again, that you had that because that's a beautiful thing. So even some kids, unfortunately, not even in the entertainment industry, don't have that love and support from their parent. And I live Very in the Atlanta so. area now. And, um, you know, in inner cities sometimes it's just, I mean, or it could be maybe they're just working all the time and they just can't be there. But, you know, it's it's hard. Um, so it's really great that you had that. and. Alan Thick, like, he was, he's so talented and was amazing and just seemed like, they both seemed like really great parents. And I know, again, it's acting, right? <laughs> it just seemed like they just had, like, really good hearts and, like, cared. Yeah, but that's really cool that you had that. Now, did you know, um, did you ever meet Robin Thick or just because we love him and oh, yeah. he's on The Masked Singer? <laughs> and he's so talented, oh, too. Of course, no. All of us were very good friends. Um, Robin Thicke, 
we, I mean, we grew up together. I spent a lot of time at Alan's house hanging out with Robin, um, Candace Cameron, you know, Kirk's awesome. little sister from Full yeah. House. We were all really close. Um, Tracy's little sister, Brandy, Joanna's daughter, Ashley. We were oh. all around the same age. So we, we were very good friends um, and we all hung out and knew each other. I, I see Robin occasionally. We give each other a big hug. We say hi. Um, you know, I check in with him every so often. I also talk to Alan's other two sons every so often. Um, his oldest son, Brennan, and his youngest, Carter. Um, so, yeah, we're family. I mean, that's what family does. That's amazing. Oh, that's so awesome. So you're, do you have, you have kids, correct? I have three boys. Oh, okay. So if your kids wanted to get into acting, I know one of them is a teenager, I think. And then is one nine? Actually, or... <laughs> no, that was when, that was when my boys came into my life. My boys were oh. 11, nine and six. Wow. Um, they're all grown now. My boys are all out of the house. Okay. Okay. And um, all doing really well. But no, I actually had this moment with my oldest. Um, where he actually came to me and said, Dad, I think I want to I want to try acting. And he was about 16 at the time. So I, I just laid it out for him in reality. I said, okay, if this is what you want to do, this is what your life is going to be now on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I said, first, you're not playing football anymore because you can't risk the injury and be missing auditions. Plus you won't have time for football practice. Second, as soon as we get out of school, you're going to jump in the back of the car and you're going to do your homework in the car while we drive you around auditions. Then when we get home, you're going to eat dinner, finish your homework, go to sleep, and we're going to rinse and repeat every single day. Wow. I said, you're not going to have time to hang out with your friends. You're not going to, we'll be going on auditions on weekends sometimes. We're gonna... And after I laid out the reality of what is really, what it really takes, he sat there and he thought about it for a few minutes and he said, dad, I think I'm going to keep playing football. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I think that's a smart choice, bud. Um, I love what, I love what Ryan Reynolds said about when he was asked if he would ever let his kids get into the business. Mm -hmm. um, he said, no. And it's, it's, he said, it's for a very specific reason. It's not arbitrary. He said, it's because I'm against child abuse. And, um, <laughs> and I think it's a great joke um, be because unfortunately it's truer than it should be. Um, putting a kid in the industry who doesn't really love it, you know, is, is child abuse. I mean, it is. This is a hard industry for kids to be in. Yeah. This is, there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of negative there's a lot of things you deal with on a daily basis your average five to 12 year old never has to deal with right. um and recklessly pushing them into something like that i would say does qualify as child abuse <laughs> um i always said i wouldn't encourage my kids to get into the business not because of my negative experiences but because of other experiences i saw people have but I also always said if they were passionate about it, you know, if they started doing plays or stuff at school and really got a love for performing, that I would support them in it any way I could. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, I asked my friend this. She was on the podcast and we we're both nurses and she was pregnant with her daughter. And I said, what would you say to your daughter if she wanted to be a nurse? <laughs> and so, yeah, we asked that in our industry, too, because it's changed so much. And it used to be like, it's all about the patient. It's all about the patient. Now it's like, 
the hospitals and the systems are like, it's about money. Ugh. And so, it, it, you know, it's not the same as it was. Um, so I have a daughter. I have three boys and a, and a girl. And so my son came to me um, <laughs> a few years ago. He's now 19. And he said he wanted to be like me and be a nurse. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, do you like blood? And he's like, ew, no. <laughs> and I was like, do you like this? And he's like, no. I'm like, would you want to help somebody when they went to the bathroom? No. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not for you. <laughs> just, yeah. It's like it when I get the reality. It a very special person. It does, no, and it does. It, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke here. It does. It takes a very special person to do your job, to be able to care for people in that way so selflessly, you know, with every little thing. I know what nurses have to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've, I'm having, you know, many, many nurses in the family on, on my fiance's side, I know the ins and outs of that job. And, you know, it's, I have nothing but respect for nurses who, who, are not only doing it but still doing it and still love doing it and still can give their patients that attention and care yeah it's it's very it's a very important job and i love my patients um but it's also very hard physically and mentally you know but yeah so but you're you know everything that you're doing has been Again, it being in the industry is mental. Like you said, like it's hard. I mean, rejection is hard. And it's if you're not in the right space, like it can really just control <laughs> you. And that that's I was very lot. lucky. I'm sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Um yeah. again, very lucky that my mother um was very good at conveying why that shouldn't bother me why oh, the rejection wow. shouldn't affect me. And her way of doing it was just telling me, and nine times out of 10, this is probably the truth, that you just weren't right for it. They were looking for a brunette. They were looking for taller. They were looking for chubbier or thinner or this or that. It wasn't that you weren't good. You just weren't what they were looking for for this. And she drilled that into me. You know, I mean, drilled that into me as a kid. Awesome. So, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rejections. And I still never really got that down about it, you know, because I could always keep that in mind that it, you know, wasn't necessarily my performance or my ability, but oftentimes they were just looking for something that I wasn't. And that made sense to me, you know, and that was something I could, I could grasp onto that kept me from, from drowning in all that negativity. Wow. Yeah, that's a really great way. She sounds so smart. Uh, that's a really great way to keep you grounded and to to keep the reality of it, though. But to just say like, hey, it's not you. It's, you know, that's really nice. Um, So now on a totally different subject, when did you start? Uh, this is not related to acting at all. Uh, but when did you start cooking? Like, did you always have a love for cooking? And that had no good segue there. Uh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to you know? I mean, have a good one. Uh, <laughs> I'm honest. But so, yeah. So did you always have a passion for cooking? And how did you get into it? I grew up cooking in the, in the kitchens with my grandmother. Uh, my grandma was a self-trained chef. Awesome. And even when I was very little, she would cook for the whole family all the time. But on three major holidays every year, my grandmother would cook for the neighborhood, basically. She would, on 
on Thanksgiving, on New Year's and on Easter, my grandmother would cook a huge feast and invite all her friends, but it wasn't just her friends. It was anyone in our neighborhood who didn't have somewhere or someone to be with on the holidays knew they could come to my grandmother's house. And that included the local homeless population in our neighborhood. They wow. would come on the holidays. They knew they could come and get a meal at my grandma's. And it was there that I learned my love for cooking for others. You know, I would I would follow her around and help in the kitchen. I mean, at three, four, five years old, just running around in the kitchen, helping her with anything I could. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned that passion for cooking for other people from her. And then later on, she opened a restaurant when I was about nine or 10 years old. And I worked at the restaurant during the summers um, when we weren't filming Growing Pains. Now, of course, I didn't call it work. I called it hanging out with grandma because oh. that's what it was to me. <laughs> but I, you know, I worked my way up from being a busboy all the way to being a breakfast chef over four different summers um, working at grandma's restaurant. And I just loved it. So years later, when I had dropped out of college um, and I was kind of floundering, the jobs weren't rolling in, the auditions weren't rolling in as much anymore. And I was looking for something outside of the business that I could do that I was still passionate about. So I decided to go to culinary school. And wow. um, I went to Le Cordon Bleu here in Los Angeles and I was classically French trained. And it's just, it's it's been a big passion of mine. I've, I've always said the two places I feel the most at home are in front of a camera or behind a stove. Aww. So I'm very blessed that I have two passions like that, that I can chase. Um, you know, I still act when I can. I still have projects that are offered to me from time to time. I have friends that'll send me a script and say, hey, we're going to be doing this. I've got a part for you. I think you'd really enjoy. Check it out. And if I like it, if it's something that I really think I would enjoy doing, or I think it's, um, you know, something I've never gotten to do before. So stretch my abilities, whatever it is, if it looks good, then of course I'll do it. Um, but when those offers or opportunities aren't coming in, I have my catering and my cooking and I have all of that to keep the bills coming in, you know, so um, I'm just very blessed that I get to do two things I really, really am passionate about. That's smart to have a backup plan. You're so smart <laughs> because like you said, I mean, you never know what's going to happen or if you're going to get another sitcom one day or whatever is going to happen. But in the meantime, you can't just stay stagnant and you're not a little kid anymore even then you were making money you know you can't just stay stagnant and be like oh it's everything's gonna just uh happen for itself you know so um that's really amazing what is your favorite dish to cook um in general probably soups okay. <clears throat> but there's no real specific dish i've always said i don't exactly have a signature dish uh, part of that is I am extremely ADD. Um, so <laughs> yep, right here, I'm with you. So the things I want to cook are always varying. They're always changing. I'm never in the mood to cook the same things twice. That's part of why I do the type of um, cooking that I do. That's why I've focused on catering and being a private chef yeah. and doing my cooking parties and things like that, because it doesn't stick me there making the same things over and over and over and over where I know my mind would just check out after a while. So I really enjoy getting to create new menus for people and um, like doing the cooking parties that I do, you know, we do from between like six to 12 people. Okay. I go to someone's house or to a friend's house, or we have event spaces we rent out and we 
create a theme, whatever they want to learn, whether it's Italian or Thai or 30 minute meals for busy moms, or um, I've done one for kids that was, you know, easy, easy meals that kids can cook for themselves. And so we come up with a theme and then I teach them four to five dishes in that theme. Everybody gets to get a tasting portion of each of the dishes. I walk them through everything, give them instructions, give them the history of the dishes and how we're making it. And everybody just has a really fun time. And I get to do that all the time and come up with all sorts of different menus and different dishes. So thankfully I'm not doing the same things over and over and over. And it keeps me from getting too burnt out. That's that's so cool. I love that. So my son's favorite part would be he, um, so he, has not been classically trained because he has very bad anxiety and he's scared he's going to get yelled at in uh, culinary school because like Gordon Ramsay, I don't know. He ruined it for everyone. I'm just joking. I'm just, just joking. Gordon Ramsay, you're amazing and you're talented, but his shows are scary. He's like yells a lot. But so my son um has two jobs. One is at a brunch place and the mm -hmm. other one is like literally burgers, wings and that kind of stuff. But he gets to make up his own things at the one, the brunch place. He gets to make up his own sauces and like, he'll come up with like a theme on the, like the weekend, a different breakfast thing. And, and he loves that. So eventually he, he wants to have a food truck. And when I get to the point that I can afford the fruit truck, I would gladly want to buy it for him. And my 19 year old wants to help him. And he's more like, money like the manager side of it he does not know how to cook Perfect. but yeah no, a great that's team you need some every chef needs somebody like that because us chefs are not good with that side of it most of the time so yeah. i mean there are some who are and they're amazing and they can handle every aspect of the business but most chefs aren't programmed that way so that's a great combination you got there and yeah. i'll tell you your son Thanks. did it smart um i there's nothing wrong with going to culinary school there isn't but in today's day and age, you can get almost as much out of cul out, almost as much as you would out of culinary school by going and getting a job in a restaurant right away and just okay. learning your way from the ground up. And I tell people that all the time. I say, if you want to go to culinary school, if that's a passion of yours, then do it, chase it and go for it. But if all you really want to do is become a chef and maybe you don't have the money to go to culinary school or there's other issues to go get a job as a porter or as a salad cook in a rest, go work anywhere and just learn the kitchen, learn the techniques, work your way up. And in three to four years, you'll have all the same knowledge I got at culinary school and you'll get paid for it. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, he, he started off at like a smoothie place and I didn't even know they had food, but he would make stuff on the grill and like little sandwiches and different stuff. And then he went to this, um, to the brunch place. And so like, you know, he, like, again, he loves making breakfast things. He likes to bake, he likes to do so many things. And I love creative people because again, chefs are very creative. And so, like you said, the number part is, is sometimes hard. But my son is very creative as well. In culinary, he was in the culinary program in high school, and he's very introverted. And he became the president, and he, like, designed the shirts because he does art. And I was like, huh, you? And he's like, yep. And I was like, okay. I job. love it. Yeah. So, you know, when you're passionate, like you said, when you're passionate about something, then you're just, you're just excited to be there. It's not what he's forcing you to do it, and it just makes you happy. You know, that's that's a beautiful thing. So It absolutely is. I'm so excited that you got into that and that you have a backup plan. And so 
it's like you that's you didn't give up on your dream those are both your dreams and like you know you can go switch it up which is beautiful um now the i'm really excited it's december 17th and 18th correct is the um celebrity chef cooking show right yeah. This is going to be so much fun. So coming up in Bedford, Virginia, we have uh, on the 17th and 18th, 18th of December, we have a cooking show we're putting on. It's basically awesome. um, kind of like one of my cooking parties that I do, but on a much bigger level. So we're doing this event to raise money for the Bedford International Film Festival, as well as uh, New Freedom Farms. Awesome. And I'll tell you about those for a second. Bedford International Film Festival, I got hooked up with about four years ago, um, but right before the pandemic or a little more than that before the pandemic. And I, first of all, I fell in love with the town. Bedford, first of all, Virginia is very gorgeous. I mean, that whole area is yeah. Virginia up and down the East Coast. But Bedford is this, it's almost like stepping back in time. It's oh. this wonderful, quaint town, old school, incredible mountains around you and beauty and scenery. Everything looks almost untouched. And you have all these this this small town feel, wonderful people. Um, and then you have this great organization that is trying to give aspiring artists who don't have any other way to get noticed or be seen a way to do that. Oh. Um so you have a lot of first-time filmmakers and um, people like that from, we've had submissions, I believe, on there from Ireland and from other countries, as well as local people in the South around Virginia um, that all have participated in this. And these are people who would never have had another avenue to get their projects noticed if it wasn't for the Bedford International Film Festival. And that wow. was the whole goal of them starting that was just to give these young aspiring artists an outlet. And now they've actually started expanding. That's one of the things we're helping to raise money for for them is to start offering classes and things to help these aspiring filmmakers progress and better their craft. Um, so it's a wonderful organization. I'm really happy that we're working with it. And then we also have New Freedom Farm. These guys are amazing. There's a lot of places that do this kind of work. These are one of the great ones. Um, basically, it's a real working farm and they work with uh, veterans as well as first responders dealing with PTSD and trauma. And they do use equine therapy, working with the horses, as well as hands-on physical therapy working around the farm. And these these vets and these men and women get to not only form relationships with the, the animals, which, as you know, can be incredibly beneficial to someone's emotional and mental well-being, but they also get to work the land with their hands and everything they're doing is something that they get instant feedback on. You know, they see the results of what they're doing and the good work that they're doing and it just helps build them back up and it lets them feel good about themselves. It helps work past and through that trauma. And um, they've been having great results helping people out there. And I just, I have a passion for, for veterans. Most of my family served. I have a passion for first responders. I've had many friends who are firefighters. My brother-in-law is a firefighter. Um, you know, I have many friends who are police officers and sheriffs. So it's just, I know the things they deal with. I mean, my oldest son went to Afghanistan. He served in the army. Wow. He dealt with his own you know ptsd and he you know was in the thick of it multiple times he was injured by shrapnel he saw his friends blown up he you know and it took a long time for him to deal with um 
again, war is hell. And the truth is, unfortunately, most first responders are seeing that level of hell on a regular basis. And we're not equipped to deal with that stuff on our own most of the time. So a place like New Freedom Farm, you know, giving them a place to repair themselves and heal is is really is really special. So I'm really proud that we're working with them as well. Um, so yeah, that's the cooking event is going to be. Do you remember the old Emerald show where he had yes. the big audience, but then he also had the 10 people around his cooking island? Yes. So that's exactly how this is going to be. We have two days for the show. Each day there will be 12 VIPs who um, get to sit right around the table that I'm cooking at. Wow. And they're going to be interacting with me, asking questions, and I'm going to be directly teaching them how to make these dishes. Um, they can ask anything they want. We'll be interacting. And then they get to eat. Um, just like in one of my cooking classes, they get to eat tasting portions of each of the dishes that I cook. Wow. But we're also having a full audience as well. And they get to, they won't be able to participate, but they'll get to watch, they'll get to learn. And the company at Blackwater Creek Event Center and Catering, that which is where we're going to be holding it, their chefs are going to cook my menu for the rest of the people. So everybody oh. else will also be getting to try the menu that I put together as well. So oh. it's going to be a wonderful time. It's going to oh. be a lot of fun and it's going to help two really wonderful causes. So, and it, let me throw this out there. Even if you can't make it, um, they still are accepting donations. Everything is done by donation. But if, if even if you can't make it and you want to support those wonderful organizations, you can donate and, um, you know, you can still do it that way. But tickets are on sale right now. We're hoping to sell out both days um, so that we, you know, more tickets we sell, the more money we'll be able to give to these wonderful organizations. So it's just another way of trying to give back and another way to kind of showcase what I'm doing now as well and um, kind of give me another outlet to cook for people, which, as I said, is one of the things that makes me happiest. <laughs> oh, I can see it. Like, I can literally see it and, like, feel it when you're talking about it. It just makes my heart so happy. Like, it is so amazing. Like I said, like helping people is so awesome. And like just providing the, you know, and you have a physical thing that they can taste, which is cool that they can like see the results of it and like, you know, taste it and feel it and all the sensory things that happen. Um, and food makes you feel good. Like I already said, that's my, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, <laughs> that's my thing. And a meal, a meal also sets you at ease. Yeah. You know, it, it relaxes you. Um, it, if, if you go to someone's house where you've never been and it's just appetizers and little whatever and everybody's just standing around with their wine and it can be a little uncomfortable because you don't know anybody. But if you walk in and the host comes up to you and says, hey, we made this whole huge spread. Come on, sit down, grab a plate. Do you, you settle in, you know, you relax. And a, a good meal with people does that. Absolutely. You're right. And so did you learn how to cook Filipino food? Like for your, um, I, I, I'm just asking because you said that your fiance is, yeah. And I love Filipino food. It's so oh, good. Love it myself <laughs> too. And I, I definitely follow my, uh, my mother-in-law around in the kitchen and try and pick up as much as I can. She's taught me how to make pancit and adobo. Oh. Um, I can also make caldreta and I can also make kare kare which is one of my favorites. That's the awesome. oxtails and vegetables uh, in the peanut sauce, which is just so good. Um, so yeah, no, I love Filipino food and I'm trying to pick up as much as I can here and there. 
Oh, yes. Oh, okay. See, I, I get excited. Told you I get excited about food. <laughs> We're talking Me about too. food. I'm like, <laughs> I can't even taste it, but I can, I can taste it kind of like I can, I know the taste, you but know. I'll tell you, I love to travel. I mean, I love to travel. Always have been that I've been working since I was very young. I mean, the yeah. first time I ever flew anywhere was a 10 hour flight to London to go film when I was seven years, yeah, seven years old. Wow. And from that, I have I have fallen in love with travel ever since. But as I've gotten older and the more I get into my, or the more I've gotten into being a chef and my cooking, I want to see everything and see all the sights and everything else. But truthfully, my main goal in going somewhere is to be able to try all the incredible food. <laughs> That's my number one goal. As yeah. much as I want to see Japan and all these places I haven't been yet, it's not just because I want to see the scenery. It's not just because I want to <laughs> see the sights. My main goal is I want to eat my way through their best stuff. I love getting to travel and taste food from different places. I'm an absolute food food nut. So yeah. Have you, have you tried like, okay, so my son actually is part Japanese, my oldest son. And, um, have you tried when you go to different places, have you tried their delicacies, like stuff that's kind of like, that's food, like, or like weird things. Are are you brave enough to try those? (laughs) There are, I will try almost anything once. Okay. Now I do, I do have my limits. Nobody's going to scoop the brains out of a baby monkey and put it on my plate or anything like that you know (laughs) but other than that kind of stuff where there would be cruel you know severe cruelty involved or whatever i'm willing to try just about anything once um i've been to china many times and i've tried i've tried pickled fish eyeballs i've tried uh i've tried a lot of different (laughs) no not in my opinion (laughs) um no, can't say that I enjoyed it, but what? you know, at least there you tried. Are apparently, people who do, <laughs> and um, so yeah, I've tried many, many different things. But I'll give you an example. When I first went to China, I was fourteen, and we were driving through, and we saw this restaurant, and it was actually advertising in the window dog. They were serving dog. Oh my. Now, what struck me, because I knew, especially back then, that there were certain Asian countries where dog was considered a delicacy. The thing that was weird was it was in English. The oh. sign was in English. Oh, my. So I'm like, who, who in the world is this sign for? <laughs> because I'm certainly not going to go try it. No. But. Oh my. Not as common anymore. In fact, I haven't seen a single dog sign in all the times I've been back. But um, <laughs> again, yes, I am adventurous and I am willing to try just about anything, um, you know, once. And if I like it, I mean, there have been things I've tried. I I never, you, you know what a sea cucumber is? Those yeah. slimy little, yeah. they're very tasty. Really? I never would have thought of it. But um, yeah, they're a delicacy in China and they are incredibly tasty. Um, there's so many different odds and ends that I've tried. I've tried just about every piece of the cow, the pig, the fish, the, you know, um, tried jellyfish tentacles. Uh, that wasn't, mm, it was like chewing on rubber bands, but. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't pleasant, but again, in certain, I mean, there are things that we eat that people across the, you know, across the world look at us like we're absolutely crazy. So 
you know, it's all cultural and it's all what you were raised on and what you learned to love, you know, when you were young. But I try and have an open mind when it comes to food. And like I said, I'm always willing to give something a try at least once. Awesome. Okay. So I know you got to go soon, but question, do you have a podcast too as well, right? Yes, I do. We're actually down, down right now. Okay. Um, my, my co-host is dealing with some personal stuff. Um, and he had some equipment problems that he's trying to get rectified right now, but him and I actually will be coming back early next year, um, awesome. probably January or February of next year. And it's just called the, uh, the Navarro Miller report. His name's Dave Navarro. My name's Jeremy Miller. So there you go. We're real creative. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just a, it's just a, a little podcast we do. We wanted to kind of do a news and current topics podcast where nice. we didn't focus on all the negative, where we didn't go to the politics or the next tragedy that's happened or not because we didn't feel it need to be talked about, not because we wanted to ignore it, but because we get bombarded with so much of that stuff on every other show, every other news station, yeah. every other radio station. We wanted to do something fun where people could tune in, get a little bit of news, hear a little bit of banter and just enjoy themselves and get a break from that drama cycle. So that Absolutely. was kind of kind of why we put it together and what we do. It's just us two dipsticks messing with each other and <laughs> going through the day's stories, making fun where we can. And awesome. it's it's a real simple show. We have a good time doing it. People seem to enjoy it. That's nice. You know, here's the thing. This is what I tell people all the time. You can talk about anything. There's going to be an audience for you. <laughs> it's like people are interested in so many different things. So absolutely, you guys aren't dipsticks. I, I saw uh, the beginning of one of the episodes where he said something about like, oh, how I'm stuck talking to you or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, yeah. No, we, we razz each other. We mess with each <laughs> other. We do that in real life. I mean, that's how we talk to us, each other in real life. That oh. is not an app. That's not for the show. Him and I are very, very dear friends. He's like a brother. And we just give each other a hard time constantly. And that's part of, I think, the charm of our show is just us messing with each other and having fun. And again, giving people kind of an outlet where they can get a little news without the drama that's important so thank you for doing that it's so important to that's why i didn't want my show to be about that i'd rather people talk about uh shameless plug i say i'm just joking their authentic points of view like that's why i said that because that's the name of the show but um that's the truth though. and yeah because everybody's been through so much and we all have different i have several points of view of what i've uh, been through and so it it's so amazing. And most of the guests are now helping people or, or have done something to make a difference in people's lives. So it's like, no matter what mess we've been through, right. To, to get past it. And like, you're not in the darkness forever. You see the light at the end of the tunnel and we could say, Hey, guess what guys, it's going to be all right. Right now you don't see it. You know, I lived in a homeless shelter when I was pregnant with my second son and so I had a baby. He was one, one and a half, almost two. And then I was pregnant. And it's like, I didn't think at this point, like, you know, uh, now they're old. So 20 years later, 19, 20 years later, I wouldn't have thought that I, you know, would be doing what I'm doing. So mm -hmm. that's the thing, you know, when you're a little child and you're on this amazing show and it's a, such a blessing, you had two amazing families, but you didn't ever probably think like, hey, I'm going to get to do this amazing, like be a chef and go teach people and all this stuff. 
You don't know those things. Nope. But life is an experience, right? And we just got to do it. Like, <laughs> just do Absolutely. it. I mean, I've always said, we're just along for the ride. And what we do during that ride is what matters. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's going to happen whether we want it to or not. So we better figure out how to make it work. And yeah. truthfully, I, I, I love being able to share that with people. Um, you know, I, I was broken in a lot of ways over the years, you know, um, a lot of sexual abuse, you know, from my stepfather and mental abuse and physical abuse and uh, the alcoholism and the depths of that. And as you said about suicide earlier, I was very suicidal late mm. in my, you know, in my addiction. I've always said that I, I is one of the reasons I didn't own a gun is I honestly believe I wouldn't be here had I owned a gun at that point in time because I was in such deep despair. And to be able to help anyone who's dealing with any fraction of that and make their day a little bit better is not only a blessing, it's at this point in my life an obligation. It's something I absolutely have to do. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so, so, so much, honestly. Uh, Jeremy, you are such a light and you you have the best energy and you I can see like the joy inside you when you're talking and even when you talked about your boys and your fiance and just everything and I'm just so happy for you I'm so proud of you I'm so proud that you got a grasp on it that you're just like no this is not how I'm gonna be right because that's got to be hard quitting something you're addicted to oh my gosh like you said you could get sick like it it makes you physically sick um just like it takes over everything. I've seen people recover um, where I lived in Ohio. Unfortunately, a lot of people are on heroin and different things. And, you know, I've seen when I worked in a ICU, um, people shake and just, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. So people get physically ill, It just alcohol, whatever it is. And you have to fight through that. You have to be strong enough to not go, I'm just going to drink some more to fix it, right? You have well, to be strong enough to fit. Yeah. Yes. Yes and no. I will right. honestly okay. say that strength strength doesn't come into it a lot of times okay. because at that at that point in time, we are usually so broken, Aww. we have no strength left. Okay. We really don't. I I would be screaming at myself in my head. Don't take a drink. Don't take. You don't need this. You don't. You're you're destroying everything. Joni's going to take the boys. You are going to lose every. Do not. As I'm pouring the bottle down my throat, mm. it's one of the reasons why people need help in recovery. Right. It is not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. You know, a lot of people think that about recovery is you know, well, you just need to do it. My fiance thought that for quite a while, actually. Because she had given up everything. Um, when she got pregnant for the first time, she quit anything she was doing cold. She cold turkey, no drinking, no smoking, no nothing. Wow. And in her mind, well, I was drinking every day. I mean, she wasn't an alcoholic, but she was a, a regular drinker drinking every day and smoking every day. And, every, and she was like, well, if I could just stop, just put it down, why can't you? You know, just do it. You know, you should stop. Why don't, don't you love us enough? Don't you? Those are all incredibly Aww. common feelings of people who are with someone who's an addict or an alcoholic. And the truth is, it's not a matter of not loving someone enough. It's not a matter of not having the, the want to. It's we don't have the willpower or the strength at that point because our body chemistry has been changed. My brain chemistry was literally 100% opposite than it is right now. 
because I had been saturating it with poison for so long. Um, that's why recovery houses, that's why, you know, AA, that's why like what I got help with to get me started. And I utilize multiple recovery resources nowadays, but to get started, I actually had a medical procedure done um, where they implanted a small piece of medicine that dissolved over a period of time that helped block my craving for the alcohol. Wow. And that was the help I needed to get past those cravings to where I could actually start hearing what people were telling me in recovery. You know, I had tried going to meetings, I tried rehab, I tried all that stuff, but because I was so in the depths of my addiction, I couldn't hear what they were saying. It, it was not penetrating. But once I got that little bit of medicated help, it actually is a natural medicine that's been used for called naltrexone, actually. I'm sure you've you've heard of it because um, it's in the Loxone and all those others. Yeah. But it, it does work for alcoholics as well. And it helps to block those craving signals. Wow. And I don't know if I would have ever been able to get sober without that. I really don't. It was the help I needed. And it doesn't mean that I was weak. It doesn't mean it, it means I was broken, you know. I didn't have the strength at that point to just say no, to just put it down. I needed help. And most people do when they're in the depths of their addiction. You know, I tell people all the time, don't think you can do this alone. Get people around you. You know, if you don't agree with AA, find another one. If you don't agree with this recovery house, find another one. But get people around you who are going to support you and help you through this. Because I, I don't know of anyone who was a true alcoholic or addict who was able to just quit on their own with no help whatsoever, without support systems. I've never met them. Maybe they're out there somewhere, but I, I've honestly never met a single soul. I've never met any would, either. Exactly. So it's not a matter of strength unless that strength is being strong enough to ask for help. Wow. Thank you so much for saying that and clarifying it for me uh, and the listeners. So I just want to say this, if you are listening or watching and you are uh, alcoholic or an addict, get help, please. You are worth it. Your life is worth it. It's going to be okay. It's hard at first, but you can make it. Please get a support system. Like he said, if you don't like the recovery house, go to somewhere else. There are so many different options, hopefully where you live. I am that you can reach out, look up the information. Google has anything that you need to know. There's even amazing options online now because wow. of Zoom, because of all of these different platforms we have now. If you don't have the resources in your town, you can find it online. Okay. You can find a recovery community online who will support you and be there for you. You can find it. It's out there. It is so much more accessible now than when I was looking. So, you know, ask for help. And I'll tell right now, I'm being serious. This is not a joke. Message me on Facebook. If you're struggling that bad, message me on Facebook. I will try and talk to you. I will tell you, I will try and give you any resources I have Message me and I will try and get back to you as soon as possible. If you're really struggling, um, you know, you can find me at Mr. Jeremy James Miller on Facebook and uh, send me a personal message. I will try and get back to you. I'm not, I get a lot. I try and get through them as quickly as I can, but I will get back to you as soon as I can with any info I can that would help. Thank you so much. That's so awesome. 
and where else can um can we find you like do you have a um a website or I, i'm I gonna add a... go ahead uh, I have a website, but it's not really up and active yet. Okay. It's more that I'm trying to put together for my cooking. But you can find yeah. me at the real Jeremy Miller on Instagram. And like I said, Mr. Jeremy James Miller on Facebook. Those are the two easiest. And if you go to either of those sites, you'll be able to see some of my posts about the upcoming event. It has all the links for getting the tickets and stuff like that. If you guys want to check it out, yeah. we'd really love to see you come down. If you're in the area, if you're in Virginia, or if you're even near and you can drive in, it's going to be a great event. And again, even if you can't and you want to be able to support those two wonderful causes, please go ahead and donate anyway. Absolutely. So I'm from Maryland. So Virginia is our neighbor. So I was I'm gonna going say, to say right around the corner. Yeah, I'm going to reach out to a lot of my friends that live in that area and see if they can awesome. come. And if not, we we will definitely donate. It's a great cause. And I think it's so beautiful. My dad was in the military for 20 years. And thank you for your son's service, your family service. And thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for just supporting great causes and definitely the horses are amazing. It helps a lot. Um, like, it, you know, in nursing homes, they have like a cat or a dog that's there mm -hmm. because the animals really help the residents, um, you know, heal and just, and just feel happy and it, it just really helps. So. Well, Hey, even, even prisons now are starting wow. to realize that, they have programs where guys who are getting closer and closer, and I think they probably do it with the women as well, but when they're getting closer and closer to their release dates, there are options for adopting a pet, a cat, Aww. sometimes a small dog, that they are then responsible for for months before they make their parole or whatever it is. And it teaches them to be responsible for something other than themselves again and gives them that connection and that outlet. And it's actually been incredibly healing. So wow. people don't realize how healing that connection with animals can be. And, you know, I mean, horses in particular have been used for many, many years to to help people who've dealt with trauma and the relationships you can form with these wonderful animals are actually very healing. People don't realize it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited that we talked about all this stuff. I feel like we just covered so many topics. OK, yes. And. How beautiful. Please support those causes, everybody. They're amazing. They're helping so many people and, you know, the filmmakers and then the farm just helping uh, veterans and oh, my gosh, just amazing. Like, I just love it. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for being vulnerable. And like you said, you're an open book, but it, it really is is needed, like you said. It's needed for people that might be going through what you've been through right now. They're going through it and hearing you talk about it can save their life. And I'm getting emotional again. So, uh, sorry. Um, no apology. I wish that my brother had, had talked about stuff. He, need, he didn't. Um, and so... When you talk about the strength to get help, you know, my brother thought that it was weak to like, he just joked all the time, like he was okay. And, um, so I, I really appreciate everything that you said and all the amazing points that you made and just breaking it down and saying, no, it was me being broken, but thank goodness that you still have your family. Thank goodness that you got help. 
And now you're helping people and you're cooking for people. You're following your passion and it's just amazing. So how can people book your parties though? Is that on one of your it's it's you can find it on my on my Facebook. That's okay. usually the easiest way as people can message me and connect it unless it's a large party. It needs to be in the Southern California area. I mean, yeah. that's that's where I'm based. Um, but I do I do get a lot of requests where people will come out and they're, oh, well, I, I live in, you know, I live in New York. Can you come? And I'm like, well, it's not going to be worth it to you to pay for my airfare and hotel and everything else and fly me across the country to have me cook for you and five friends. So yeah. unless you're in the Southern California area, it is a little tough to get one of these, you know, one of these cooking party classes that I do. We might actually be doing, if we get interest, a couple of my cooking parties in Virginia, um, the, the days following the big event as well. So if there's anybody in Virginia who's interested in having us come to your home maybe and cook for you and your friends and teach one of these classes, that's also an option. We're thinking about it. So let Ooh, us know. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, you for having me on. You are so amazing. And like I said, I'm just so proud of the awesome man that you are and that you're taking your traumas and stuff that you've been through and you're really using it for good and to help others. And that's such a beautiful thing. And uh, please tell your fiance and your boys, I said, hello, I don't know them, but I, I love, uh, I love everybody. So that was it's so cool to, for you to just talk about them and the fact that with the nursing thing, that's hilarious. And, uh, <laughs> and so I didn't know she was um, half Filipino. So that's, I just organically brought that up. It's, yeah. it's funny. Um, but I feel like we're all connected. We all say stuff for a reason and, and somebody needed to hear, you know, I didn't know that the conversation was going to go this way, but somebody needed to hear it. That's why we said all these things. Absolutely. And, um, so thank you again. And I would love, uh, for you to come back another time and we can talk about you know i didn't get to talk about your book or anything but we can talk about other things another time and awesome and um thank you again and you have a wonderful day and you have a great one Danielle. i'll keep in touch thank you again for having me on you're welcome thank you we will keep in touch and i will share all those links so people can donate and everything awesome thank you bye take care have a great one wow what an amazing episode I really am honored to get to talk to Jeremy Miller. That was amazing. I'm so thankful that with his honesty and vulnerability and just to prove that men can talk about stuff too. It's necessary, right? They're humans. <laughs> they deserve to be heard. Okay. So I'm so thankful. I'm so glad that he came on and talked to us. It was amazing. Just a heartfelt, nice conversation. I'm so proud of all the things that he's been through and gotten through and how he's helping others. So speaking of helping others, let's help them out, okay? So let's donate to the Bedford Film Festival and New Freedom Farm, Inc. Let's help them out, right? If you're in Virginia, Maryland, D.C., it might be a little far to drive, but you can. Um check it out and go December 17th and 18th it's at the Blackwater Creek Catering and Venue and those funds are raised to help those like we said um, those companies so 
Let's do that. I know I'm going to be donating. I wish I could go, but I'm in Georgia now. So anyway, check it out and help them. They are great causes. They're helping so many people. And that's what we do in life, right? It's so great to give back and to help. Those um, foundations are ran off of like literally donations. So please help them and give back in any way that you can. Okay. So thank you, Jeremy, again, and the listeners for listening. But thank you for being so open and honest and, and vulnerable. Really, really appreciate it. It was such a great episode. And um, so cool to talk to someone that I've watched for a long time. We're a few years apart. He's a little bit older than me. And I watched him when I was a kid and when he was a kid. Um, And it's just, it's so amazing to get to listen to his stories and, you know, again, see how far he's he's come and him talk about his beautiful family and just see how excited he got talking about them and, and the um the fundraiser coming up and the fact of him like his passion for cooking is so amazing I didn't even know that stuff about him so I just really enjoyed learning all those things also I've got some exciting news Woo-hoo! you know I like <laughs> I like doing that woohoo okay so Danielle Boer is branching out what do I do I'm always branching out right so I wanted to give an opportunity for all of you. I don't care what country you're in. Australia is going to be a little bit hard, though, because the time difference is so great. So that's going to be difficult. Um, But if you are in other countries, especially Canada, Canada, France, uh, the European countries, England, uh, Germany, Belgium, of course, all of them. If you are there and you want to join my group, Authentic Points of View is now uh, adding a branch under the umbrella, and it's going to be life coaching. I've talked about it a few times, but it's official. My first group will start January 1st, which is the Sunday. We will go for eight weeks, okay? So um, plan is to do about 2 p.m. So if it's 2 p.m. here Eastern time, then some of the countries, it will be 7 or 8 p.m. So that's what I want to do. I want to include as many people as I can, even like South America, of course, is close to our time, just like Canada is. It kind of just runs down the whole, you know, we're all kind of similar times. But if you're on the other uh, side of the world, of the globe, (laughs) um, I wanted to be able to, oh yeah, like even Hawaii is like five hours before us, I think. So that would still be a decent time for them. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to include so many different places that if you are dealing with grief right now, I wanted you to join my group. It's called Getting a Grasp on Your Grief. And I am really, really, really blessed and thankful to be able to have this opportunity to coach people through one of the hardest times that you can have. Grief is not only just losing someone, which that's what we think about. That's what I automatically would think about. But grief is a lot of things, right? So you might have lost your career. They're grieving from that. You might have lost a relationship. 
If you're married for 20 years, I've talked to this one lady the other day that was married for like almost 30 years and then it's just done. That's a long time of your life. That's way more than half of your life at that point. That's hard to deal with. It's hard to transition out of that. What do you do now, right? So I want to help people that, yes, you've lost someone, of course, that will probably be the majority of the clients in the group is going to be somebody like me. You know, I've been through a lot. So I've lost a lot of uh, people, but losing my brother was the hardest. And I had a stillborn at 25 weeks. So I lost a baby, Um, you know, starting in high school. Every year in high school, I lost somebody related to me. Um, So it was hard. And the hardest one in high school was my mom's best friend, who was like a mother to me, my aunt. And my grandpa, my grandfather passed away the day after I had surgery my senior year. So, you know, I had my tonsils out November the 3rd and he passed away November the 4th. I couldn't go to the funeral. It was very hard. Now, mind you, I'm 17 years old then. Okay. How I think now is not, <laughs> it's not how I thought at 17. <laughs> so I just want to help people. Right. So I've had, I've experienced a lot of loss. Unfortunately, I just uh lost uh he was one of my best friends when I lived in Ohio he's my my daughter's godfather just lost him a couple months ago I just lost my cousin like a month before that was 43 and my used to be best friend um was 39 when he passed and his birthday just came up the other day so I'm watching his family his sisters and his mother and everything I'm friends with all of them they were like family to me right on Facebook and it is hard. Holidays are hard, right? So yes, it's the loss of someone physically in the world that we've lost, but it could be anything that you're grieving from. I want to in include you in the group. This group will be so healing. What is the point of it, right? So like, why do you want to do this? Well, I want to help you get a grasp on your grief. That's the name of the group. I think it's a great name and it makes a lot of sense it doesn't mean we're gonna like snap we're over it nope you're never gonna forget the way that you felt when you found out that they pass or or any of those things I want to shift our focus okay shift our focus on what can we what can we control let's let's focus on the things we can control so we can control our reactions, of course. We can control our energy that we bring in and give out. And we can control forgiving. So with me, when I lost my brother, I had to forgive. I had to. I had to forgive me. I had to forgive him. I had to forgive the whole thing. Uh, I was guilty. I felt so guilty, right? And so those are the things that I'm going to help people with. There are so many tools that we're going to learn. There are so many things that we're going to break down every single week. And I cannot wait. I hope that it helps you heal. I hope that it helps you celebrate that person. What I'm really excited about is the last, the last day. The last week of our group, we are going to have a huge celebration. How do you do that on Zoom? Well, it'll be challenging, but we'll do it. We're going to have a celebration. We're going to have a celebration for those things that you lost, okay? And if it's people, 
we're going to celebrate those people all together as a group, as a little family. And I want you to know, maybe you are not ready to talk in front of people. And that is okay. I have individual coaching. We can talk one-on-one. We will have an hour session every week and where it's just you and I. So don't worry. That's not your only option is to just be in a group. I understand that this could be difficult. But speaking with people that are going through the same thing as you is very helpful to most people. Maybe you're introverted and you're like, I don't know about this. But think about it. Maybe somebody lost their loved one five years ago and you just lost your loved one two months ago. Maybe the things that they've experienced over the last five years, things that help them can help you. That would be great, right? So that's why I'm doing this group because I want to help you. I want to help you get a grasp on it and be able to move forward. That doesn't mean, again, we didn't forget them. We're not going to forget them. We're going to shift our focus. We're going to focus on the good, not how they left the world. We're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the good things. What is our best memory of them? What is our favorite thing about them? We're going to focus on those things. And we're going to add skills and techniques through the week. There, I have some surprises. I think I'm going to have a couple of special guests too. Ah, well, we'll see. It's, it's up in the air. So, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun things. Um, and you say grief, fun, that doesn't make sense. But again, shift your focus, right? So we're going to enjoy each other. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to have moments of silence. We're going to have moments of deep breathing and just, again, shifting our mindset. We can all help each other. We'll be there for each other. It'll be a beautiful thing. So if you want to jump aboard, I'm going to put the link below that you can schedule a discovery call to see if this is right for you. I'll tell you my story in detail in a few minutes and see if I'm the right person to help you. I hope that I am, but if not, it's okay. Reach out to someone because I don't want you to go through this alone. That's the hardest thing. When I lost my brother, he was 26, I was 27, I shut down. Literally. I was the most extroverted person ever. I stopped speaking to people. I was working two jobs and I was going to school and I had two boys at the time. And I didn't want to do anything. I almost dropped out of college. So I'm so glad I didn't. I've now been a nurse for eight plus years. And I'm glad that I didn't allow that to stop me from living. I wanted to. I wanted to just be like, no, woe is me. But I couldn't because I had two boys. So I had outside people helping me and encouraging me and saying, you can do this. And that's what I want to be for you. I want this group to be the support that maybe you need. I want you to know this. I'm going to give discounts out, right? There's going to be a referral program and there's going to be a discount. If you bring your sister, your brother, your mother, your whoever, your friends, and there's going to be a discount, okay? So there's a payment plan. There's all kinds of stuff. This is really not about me getting ahead on somebody's grief. No way. This is about helping people. I want you 
to be able to have a healthy, happy mindset. Okay. I love you so much. And I want you to know you're not alone. You got this. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. Have a great day. Click the link below if you like to have a discovery call with me, okay? Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And also, life coaching is available for many different things. Forgiveness life coaching, tr transformation life coaching. It's not just about grief. So reach out to me if you want to get coached on something else, okay? Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. Thanks for listening to Authentic Points of View podcast. I hope that something you heard today changes your point of view. If you would like to share your views, please email me at authenticpointsofview at gmail.com or leave a comment on Facebook at Authentic Points of View podcast. Remember, always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart.